Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up in 20 minutes, Giants running back. Otis Anderson joins us, 10,000-yard rusher, Super Bowl 25 MVP, two-time Super Bowl champ. He'll weigh in on Saquon Barkley and the Giants as they get set for the Philadelphia Eagles. Outkick 360, final hour is here. You know what I know about Otis Anderson, Hutton? Tecmo Bowl. Oh. My earliest memories of, of Tecmo Bowl feature playing with the Giants because Lawrence Taylor was amazing on defense and giving the ball to Otis Anderson That's as a running do. back for the Giants. They were they were a great – now, he wasn't Bo Jackson uh, or anything like that on the game, but he was a very reliable running back option on Tecmo Bowl. Divisional playoffs will we'll start to preview those individual matchups coming up with, uh, with Otis Anderson. Chad, uh, things get going in the divisional round, 4.30 Eastern kickoff time on Saturday, and that's where Jacksonville will travel to Kansas City. I'm curious where you're, your take is here because we'll see both one seeds on Saturday. Which of the two road teams benefits more off of playing last week with the opportunity to catch one of the two one seeds, if I'm making sense there, one of the two one seeds, Yep. a little rusty, sluggish out of the gate, a chance to pounce first. Would you say Jacksonville or New York? Jacksonville, uh, given the circumstances of their game and the fact that they were all but pronounced dead at halftime of that game, the way Trevor Lawrence played. I mean, they pulled one out of the fire. It, it feels like that leads to more momentum. I don't know that momentum is a real thing when it comes to playing a new team the next week. I can tell you this, momentum can be stopped when you get a week off in football. And maybe that's the case for one of these teams. Could. Chiefs or Eagles getting ready for this game. But I, I do think that Jacksonville is in a spot where they've got a little bit more mojo based on the way they had to finish out their season i know the giants were up against it also but every week felt like a no, playoff you're, you're game right. yeah. going back to the game in nashville against the titans and the giants finished two five and one yes the jags won the afc south in the final game of the regular season at home they follow it up with a miraculous comeback in the second half against the chargers at home it feels like they're riding more of a wave going into this game now if you're just asking me matchup wise teams Going head to head, I think the Giants have more more of an advantage than Jacksonville to get the win in this in divisional game. So, in earlier this year, we saw Jacksonville on the road in Kansas City. Of course, we've seen Giants, Eagles too. But in just that one matchup, Kansas City got off to a twenty point got out to a twenty point lead. I believe it was early second quarter, and this was a, d- a day where Mahomes, you know, passed for four touchdowns and maybe ran for for another. Um, just one pick in that game. Point being, Jacksonville nearly pulled a comeback in that too. Now, fourth quarter, it was a 10-point advantage, but they didn't go away. Lawrence was able to catch fire again. The only way they go in and win an arrowhead is you've got to come out and opening drive, go down and get points, right? You've got, you can't start slow and give KC a 7-0 advantage uh, after the first two possessions, right? They, 
the Jags can't wait around. Now, they're capable. I, the, the run game, certainly capable. You've got Chris Jones in the middle of that defensive front for KC. But I, I tend to lean your way on this, even though KC's favored, I believe, by nine. And I think that's about right. And the Giants, even with some backups playing, the Giants gave Philly a run in Week 18 in a game where they, you know, they had to win and Dallas wasn't playing well. The Giants' backup still played okay throughout the duration of that game against Philadelphia. Yeah, I think a number of factors here. Um, the advantage goes to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs for having been there and done that. This Philly team hasn't done that to the level of the Chiefs. So I think there is an advantage having that playoff experience. And um, I think Jacksonville, while they come in with momentum, I think the Giants are better than the Jags right now. Yeah. And I'm not saying the Eagles are susceptible, but I don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Well, but And we don't really know about Jalen Hurts and this group in the playoffs until we see it. Well, normally the, the teams playing in the wild card round recently are winning the Super Bowl, right? We, I think a lot of people are also surprised with the way Buffalo played last week. Buffalo was nearly the one seed, right? They, didn't, they had one of the games that was a no contest. But they won the head-to-head against Kansas City, and who knows how the matchup will, would have ended up in Week 17 against Cincinnati, but we have that matchup now. I think one of the two teams, the one seeds, ends up playing a Buffalo-type game from last week where their opponent's going to stick around way too long and, you know, in those games, if Daniel Jones or Trevor Lawrence is able to step up and make the plays that we didn't see from Miami, one of these two is going home. It's ending at their home stadium in the divisional round. I also don't believe it's going to take a Buffalo level of bad performance for one of these two teams to hang around, given that they have their starting quarterbacks. The fact that Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins had a chance that's on Buffalo. Uh, turnover, yeah. That oh, is on, yeah. but they're up 17 nothing, and they almost choked that game away. They didn't. It's surviving advance right now, but Casey, Mahomes will turn it over. Casey and Philly have to play really good to win this game. This is not just to show up and don't blow it. This is play well. If they play well, they're going to win. They're the better teams, but they have to play well. That was almost a disaster for Buffalo. Mahomes is, he's thrown 12 picks this season. Tied with Burrow and Rodgers. Uh, the most interceptions, Prescott, Davis Mills, tied with 15. Followed by Cousins, Carr, Allen, and Matt Ryan. Before you get to the Mahomes, Rodgers, Burrow level of things. On Sunday, Bengals on the road against Buffalo. Both of these teams didn't play up to the standard if we know that the certainly that the, the Bills can play and the Bengals going into the postseason. And we get the head-to-head matchup that we would have seen if not for the DeMar Hanlon collapse in the first quarter, uh, what, two weeks ago. So we get the head-to-head in Buffalo this go-around. And then Dallas winning last night over Tampa. They'll be on the road in San Francisco. Brock Purdy, or Dak Prescott, is headed to the NFC Championship game where they will play the winner of the Giants or Eagles for the right to go to Super Bowl 57. Purdy or Prescott, to play for the right to go to Super Bowl 57. That and doesn't it, sound right. Yeah, it, it well, it sounds a lot more right for Dak Prescott. Purdy definitely doesn't sound right uh, based on everything. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see how Jalen Hurts plays. 
this weekend. If there's one player that I'm eyeballing more than anyone else, it's Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. Well, and just the the overall rhythm of their offense, right? Like the they have not been playing all that well. Of course, Hurts was injured, but to what you're saying, I mean, the shoulder he was in a lot of pain in Week 18. You know, they, Sirianni admitted that. They played him because they needed to win to get the bye, so he's allowed the extra rest, but they really shouldn't have needed that. They needed one more win and couldn't get it with Minshew at quarterback. So they're left playing their starter, and he's wincing. Like, he's he's in a lot of pain with the shoulder problem. How much does that linger? We'll see after a couple hits against the Giants. Ready to watch all of it. And then, you know, Daniel Jones, what a phenomenal story. You know, the going into the season, it was Tua and Jalen Hurts in a prove-it year. And Tua was doing it too, but Hurts has certainly proven it. And then there was Daniel Jones, who the Giants declined his fifth-year option, making him a free agent at the end of the season. They could always tag him too. But no one expected this with the new head coach. Saquon Barkley's coming back, but you didn't really know what he was going to be like. And then he took off. They got off to a hot start because Saquon Barkley was leading the way in uh, the rushing category, not just for his team, but the NFL through the first month of the season. And then we've seen a progression of Jones stepping up and making plays to an offensive roster that is a group of, they're not cast-offs, but they're a group of players that no one could really identify in a lineup of NFL superstars, that's for sure. And defensively, they do just enough. And Jones makes it work with his arm and his leg. And he's he's doing it well with Dayball. Brian Dayball's done a tremendous job. Yeah, he's the coach of the year. I don't think there's much doubt about it. There, there's some other candidates out there, but uh, th- that turnaround has been remarkable. That was a roster that was thought to be maybe the worst in the NFL that he inherited and in going into this season. Started with a shocker here in Nashville against the Titans at the time. That was shocking. Mm-hmm. Then they kept winning, and it, maybe it wasn't as shocking. Looked like they were down and out late in the year. And then still found a way to get in the playoffs. And Daniel Jones played terrific in that game against Minnesota. Did something we haven't seen from a quarterback in the NFL in the playoffs. Went for over 300 yards, rushed for over 70, threw two touchdowns, no turnovers in the game. He's made himself a lot of money. Keep this in mind. I always love this is one next-gen stat that, I, that I'm fascinated by. Daniel Jones is faster than Lamar Jackson. At their top speed on their fastest runs – He was clocked going faster than Lamar Jackson. That would shock many people. This is not just some pocket passer. This is a multifaceted running threat that can change a game in different ways. I'm not going to start the elite debate. Go ahead. Or not with with Daniel Jones. I don't don't think he's elite. He's better than Joe Flacco right now, for sure. Yes. Um, But that was the great debate with Flacco. He's absolutely going to be in the discussion for top 10, top third of the league, starting quarterbacks when we start next year. And he could make a case to inch on up there even closer with a good performance in this game. And what's great is they didn't pick up the fifth-year option for Jones, I'm saying, because that would leave them with another opportunity to be like, all right, we're going to bring him back on the fifth-year option to prove it again. Then we'll work out the contract, right? Mm -hmm. Now they've got to make a decision because he's done enough and – if you're the Giants, he's done enough to where you don't want to be in the market to have to determine what you're doing next. And I think he's clicked well with Dayball and with Saquon Barkley, who's also very deserving of 
you know, moving forward with the organization. They, they, they've done a really nice job, and they have young talent on defense that's going to help bolster them long-term. Uh, Chad, Dayball would get a lifetime contract if you were a college coach right now. Yes, he would. He and, would indeed. You know, they're handing out the, the lifetime contracts at the top of the sport in college football. Uh, of course it's bad. These, these deals that where coaches are ending up getting, you know, the extra year tacked on, and it's just a race to see who's going to be the highest paid. Is it Kirby Smart? Is it Nick Saban? Is it Dabo Sweeney? Is it so on? And so, I mean, at some point, who steps in and says the buyout money is ridiculous, lifetime contracts shouldn't be a thing, and we stop paying top dollar for coaches who fail? It's a great, great profession to be in because if you don't accomplish what you're hired to do, you're getting guaranteed money for the rest of your contract life as they kick you to the curb after three years. If you don't meet a standard of three years, they're going to pay you for five. That's the dumbest thing in structure I've seen from the, the, the sports landscape when it comes to college coaching and the overall hierarchy where these guys aren't just the head coach, they, they're, they're running the university. There's an imbalance of fear in college sports, and here's what I mean by that. There's not enough fear from coaches. When coaches get that contract to coach at the highest level in college sports, even when it's their first contract, they make so much, and the incentive to keep winning isn't quite there because they're going to get money in a buyout either way. Now, on the flip side, if you have some success early on, the fear imbalance of the administration, it's like they're watching the, the scariest horror flick ever because their fear is, I'm going to lose my guy. I am going to lose this guy that I found that's having success. Mm-hmm. He's going to go somewhere else. I'm going to look like an idiot. We're going to look cheap. So I have to do whatever it takes to keep this guy here for as long as possible. And that fear leads these athletic directors, school presidents, boosters, collectives, whoever, they're now ponying up and saying, take everything from us because we can't live with the fear of our good coach leaving for a rival or leaving for another job. So please come right in and take all the cash off our shelves and we'll sign whatever you want. And that's not good for the sport. And on the flip side, I don't see enough fear from these coaches about losing because once they sign a contract big enough, what are they afraid of? Cliff Kingsbury lost. Dude got a buyout. He's in Thailand with his 24-year-old girlfriend right now. You think he's afraid of anything? I'll, I'll talk to you about your future jobs when I have a chance. Don't care right now. The incentive to work and to win is not high enough. There is an imbalance of fear in college sports, and I fear it's going to wreck the game. Universities have spent a combined $530 million on buyout money for coaches over the last decade. Just this year alone, Scott Frost, Carl Durrell, Jeff Collins, Paul Christ, and Herm Edwards combined for $56.7 million in buyout money. Guys that we would not even list off in a top 25 of just top names in college football. Scott Frost is getting $15 million. They could have waited for the buyout to drop, what, two weeks? And the buyout drops, they pay it anyway. That tells you how much... Uh, you know, they're, they're not cash poor in, in college athletics. Carl Durrell, one of the worst jobs in America, <laughs> got paid $11.4 million to be the worst head coach. To leave. Uh, yeah, in the Power Five. Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, 
um, where his interim takes over and gets the head coaching job. 11.3, believe Georgia Tech, a university that didn't even want to change the direction of the program. They paid him $11 million to just leave and we'll keep doing what we're doing, exactly what you were doing with one of your coaches. Here's $11 million. Paul Chris, we were surprised by this. $11 million buyout. Yes, Jeff Collins has the same buyout money as Paul Chris at Wisconsin. Paul Chris needs a new agent because Paul Chris is a little bit more accomplished than him. He should have had a bigger buyout. Herm Edwards, who apparently the coaches on his staff were allegedly trying to throw games on purpose, got paid $8 million by his coaches doing that. And now he's getting paid a lot more by ESPN uh, to, to go back and work and, uh, as being an analyst with them. It, it's, it's out of whack. It and look, it, I, it, I, I think that people that get into this profession are competitive and naturally they want to win. I'm not saying they're tanking it once they make the money, but what are they really afraid of? Once oh, you nothing. make it to that level, let's say you're a college football or college basketball coach in the head coach mm-hmm. in the SEC or Big Ten. When you make that baseline level, you're making the lowest amount in the conference. Doesn't matter. You're making a ton of money, and you've got a nice, sweet buyout. So even if you take a job that's difficult and you don't win, you're going to get paid to leave. And then what are you going to do? Well, I could take a year off and do some TV, or I could just take a year off and make all of my buyout money and not offset it with anything to work. And then I'm going to go get another high-paying job as an assistant at another great program. There's no fear Everyone else in the world, for the most part, lives day to day in some level of fear that if you don't show up and do your job and you do that consistently, you're not going to have that job for long. A lot of these guys don't care. And, and we kind of laugh at it. Well, it took, well, this guy, Scott Frost, I mean, he's laughing his way to the bank well, right now. That's why Jimbo Fisher happened. doesn't want to change offensive coordinator play calling. What, what, what can anyone right. threaten Jimbo Fisher with? In a world of buyouts that it doesn't matter the amount, Texas A&M had an amount they weren't willing to pay. That's how elaborate his buyout is at Texas A&M. Coming up, O.J. Anderson. Otis Anderson joins us, former Giants running back. We'll preview the Giants matchup for the third time against Philadelphia. That's coming up. And we'll get his thoughts on Saquon Barkley and the turnaround we've seen in the backfield and behind center from Daniel Jones. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Chad, of the three quarterbacks with the playoff wins that were unexpected, I think we expected did you expect Dallas to win last night? I know I picked the Bucks, but... So are we crossing them off the list? We, we, no, we can add them. Let's add them. Let's, go, go with your go, original thought of the three. Of the three quarterbacks. Okay. Daniel Jones, Brock Purdy, Trevor Lawrence. Who do you trust the most Ooh. to win again? Brock Purdy. And, and, and Everything's allowed in this answer. Now, Defense, it's coach. Not, that's, not, um, that's not universal. What I mean by that is I expect Brock Purdy to win the majority of that is because of his team. Sure, yeah. With the 49ers at home, right? I don't, okay. If we're just putting quarterback, well, let me, let me throw ask them a way. team, and it doesn't matter in the playoffs, 
Who do I trust the most out of those three? Uh, I'd probably lean Daniel Jones. So let me ask it this way then. Which quarterback of those three do you trust the most to have a repeat performance? And for Trevor Lawrence's performance, let's say the second half, because the other two were phenomenal. Um, Which of the three can have a repeat performance from the wildcard weekend? Brock Purdy. See, I'm with you there too. Because I just think he's going to be the most consistent of those. I, I don't... And where he, ha- he is he right been. now and who he is and what he's being asked to do. He doesn't do. really turn it over. Yeah, and I think that you think seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, they're going to have big swings in play. I just think Kyle Shanahan is so good about what he's asking him yeah. that it it's going to generate some consistent performances. So I, I would say Purdy because Daniel Jones was so good. I mean, he's going to – I can't say I'm expecting him to come out and play that way again against the Eagles. That's a big ask. So you've got Purdy against the Dallas defense. Against a better defense, too. Dallas. Philly's good, man. They had, what, 50, how many sacks? 60-something sacks? That's what I'm saying. Minnesota's defense is not good. Oh, yes. Philly's defense is, it's going to be much tougher for Daniel Jones to repeat that performance he had against Minnesota against Philly. Of the three defenses, you'd rather face Kansas City's defense. You'd rather be Trevor Lawrence, as crazy as that sounds. Yes, but you're gonna. It's also going to require you to score more than the other two quarterbacks would have to score to win. If you're Trevor Lawrence and Jags, like it, the over under for that game, I'll pull it up. But like Trevor Lawrence has got to be Justin Herbert of two years ago against KC. And will Doug Peterson roll the dice the same way? Not not nearly to the extent that Staley did, where he's going for it on fourth down in his own territory in the first quarter. I'm not saying that, but at what point do you pull out the play in order to keep a drive alive on fourth down? That's what the game comes down to because I think Jacksonville can keep it close. Let me. So the over-under is 52.5. That is the largest over-under of the weekend. Second largest is Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Philly, New York are both 48.5 points. And then Dallas, San Francisco at 46 and a half. I would take the over in Dallas, San Fran. I would too. And I, it's just, you mentioned Purdy versus Prescott. And one of those two is going to be in the NFC Championship game. Um, the fact that we're even discussing Brock Purdy having a better performance than Dak Prescott is crazy to me right now. And Philadelphia right now, the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl. Fourth in Vegas to win out uh, in, in Super Bowl, be champions of Super Bowl 57. KC is the favorite at plus 300. Looking right now at DraftKings. Followed by Buffalo at plus 330. San Francisco at plus 450. You can get Philadelphia at plus 500 to win the Super Bowl right now. That's pretty good. Cincinnati, you can get plus 750. I love that. I would... Yeah, Philly, put, I would throw some coin on Philly and Cincy. Cincy a year ago, I mean, you look back at how they won in the playoffs. They won a pretty close one against the Raiders in round one. Yeah, I forget the final score, but I feel like it was in the balance in the second half. Very close against the Titans. It was a big interception at the end of that game. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they weathered, what, seven sacks? Something like that? Nine. 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 I knew it was, an, it was an odd number. I knew. Didn't, it was really, nine was even worse. I always say it was really 11 because he, he was sacked two more times. Those hits still were felt. He was sacked two more times, but there were flags after the completion of the play that called back those two sacks. 
but he was sacked nine times, which tied a, a postseason single game record. Still won that game. Well, it just it, I, I'm saying they had a great second half and and you know the win over KC. They lose in the Super Bowl, but those three wins. And Joe Burrow said this after the game: winning in the playoffs is usually ugly. It's tough, and it can be ugly. That was an ugly win for them against Baltimore. It, it's starting out the same way it did a year ago. Yeah. Wasn't pretty in the beginning, and that's a team that though that knows how to close things out with their quarterback and win games. I don't think Burrow really closed things out for that team. It was their defense that did the work, but it's starting out very similar to a year ago when they went on a run and won the AFC. And Cincinnati has Kansas City's number. So can they get through Buffalo, a matchup we haven't seen this year? and end up back in Kansas City. By the way, tickets went on sale today for the neutral site AFC Championship game in Atlanta, where fans can start purchasing that in the event that it's Kansas City against Buffalo for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Hunter, are you ever surprised at how many media members are Cowboys fans? I look up on TV uh, and I feel like so no. many media members but see, that are gener- Cowboys fans. I feel like that generation, though... That's like, when like the nation was split, Steelers and Cowboys? Pretty the much. The older generation? Yeah, if, I mean, for network TV and that's all you had, if you, didn't, if you were not in a pro market, you were normally you were fed Dallas or Pittsburgh based on the region that you were in. So I'm not surprised by that. There are a ton of Dallas Cowboys fans, though. Yeah, do, do we have the ratings for that for last night? Well, I saw ratings for, oh gosh, one of the games over the weekend, and it was averaging over thirty million during the game. It was an astronomically high number. And then the question was, now, now, what do you think Dallas versus Tampa is going to do tonight? But it was one of the games from Sunday, and maybe it was, oh, it was Bills Dolphins. Really? It, it was it, they, they had over 30 million for a lot of that broadcast on Sunday afternoon. I think the Bills Nance are going to be a big Roma. ratings grabber. Yeah. Because and, uh, of the DeMar Hamlin story. You were dead on when you brought I up think, the I think it's going to be a America's huge draw team. every week. Imagine if it's Buffalo and Dallas in the Super Bowl. That would be and huge. the country. America's team against America. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw this, but a, a story came out right before the show. Um... On three sports does their national recruiting rankings. And Shannon will be in with us tomorrow. He'll be in tomorrow. But uh, I want to get your perspective on this because I have a very strong opinion on this. And I'll bring it up with Shannon. They they have their on three 300, top 300 players in America. And they change this throughout the recruiting calendar. They just had their final 2023 rankings. And they they leapfrogged, 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 leapfrogged. Nico Iamaleava leapt. They leapt frog. The frog leapt. The frog being Nico Iamaleava leapt. Leapfrogged. I was saying it's one of those when I was saying I'm like it yeah, doesn't sound right. right in my head as it, I'm it'll saying happen to it. Me tomorrow. And then I said another version of it that sounded even worse. So then I came back and said it the way I said it the first time, and it made more sense. But they leapfrogged Nico Iamaleava to first over Arch Manning in their final recruiting rankings. To which I, mm. the cynic in me, says. Boy, this is a great way to get some publicity this time of year. To just do something that seems controversial and get people talking that really doesn't mean anything. Because <laughs> those guys haven't done anything in the last, I don't know, month or two since they had well, the last ranking that came out. So we'll ask Shannon what led to that change. I could be dead wrong. They could have done some, you know, 
They could have seen them in practices or seen them at some all-star game or something else or gone back and reviewed more film. I don't know. But I see that and think, this is a good way to get people talking. But uh, Nico headed to Tennessee. Arch Manning headed to uh, Texas. I also want to report, there's an outkick story about Arch Manning constantly losing his ID in the first two weeks that he's at Texas. Because there's people posting pictures of his ID that have found it all over the place. Do you still have your college ID? No. but you, I, I have mine. I've got to, I'll have to actually go home and get it. But the, uh, you know, I'll, I can bring it in for you. And you can, you can decipher whether or not I could get away with still showing that ID photo. Yeah, we have a picture of Archibald C. Manning of a, a girl. I think it's a girl that's holding it up. So I've talked to someone very close to the Manning family mm-hmm. about this. Yes. And they say that Arch has no idea why this is a story. He thinks it's incredibly dumb that people are writing about it. Says that he misplaced his ID once, and he got the ID back from the girl who had it. So he has not gone back to the registrar Hmm. or the office to get the ID done multiple times that someone is replicating this or taking pictures with it, making it look like his ID is just showing up all over the place, when in fact only one person had it. So a bit of breaking news here on OutKick360, talking with someone, you probably know who I'm talking about. I do. Talking with someone very close to the situation. Knowing who this is coming from, this also tracks that they would also lose their student ID multiple times in a week. Yes. But it was, it was funny. When it was brought up to me, it was, I sent the story to this person, and they came back and said, ha ha, this is dumb, and Arch doesn't know why this is going around because he still has his ID. But then I later found out, well, he did misplace his ID, but he got it back. Sure. And I said, so hold on. Did he go and get a new one so his old one is in someone else's hands? Or did he find the one that he misplaced? Well, I'm, look, I'm looking at it right and now. And the story so, is he found the one that was misplaced. I mean, the what good does a fake student ID I, no, It do? doesn't. You can't load money on it, right? No. Like, it's just like you just want to act like you have it? You have Arch Manning's ID? I mean, I guess it's like fun to have in a frat house <laughs> to say, hey, you guys want to see Arch Manning's student ID? You see the student student's ID? ID? We've got a fake ID of our quarterback. Let's go to the SIG app house. You know what they got down there? Arch Manning's <laughs> lost student ID. <laughs> Let's go look at it. Let's all sit around and, and stare at Arch Manning's ID. I, I don't know. People How- are weird. I, I Things happen all the time in this world now where people just do things that make no sense to me. I lean towards the common sense, like, what's reality? Dude lost his ID multiple times in a week. That's the more, like, common sense answer to whatever you're being told of everyone's just printing Arch Manning fake IDs at Texas. Well, At least put it on a driver's license. So... (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the Manning family, and I love the Manning cast. If, if we're to say that Arch's, which I've heard, Arch's personality is way more Eli-like than Peyton-like, yeah. Eli Manning strikes me as a guy who'd lose a student ID a lot. For sure. like Just very funny, but kind of flippant, go-with-the-flow type guy, where Peyton would never lose his ID because he's so type A, rigorous, always worked up, right? Yes. So, I the, guess that tracks. The so, do you think that we'll have the the birth? There's no birth date on this. That's why it would be great. Like the McLovin ID, you know, everyone wishes him a happy birthday. Uh, whenever it's June the third, or whatever his birthday was. This is so good. 
So you've got yeah, June third, nineteen eighty one is the uh, the birth of McLovin from Superbad. We need a fake ID for. Well, I nearly said the, your source's name for uh, Arch Manning that they can. Our uh, source close to the Manning <laughs> yes. family. That's how I said I would, well I would frame this. A source close to the Manning family confirms the ID was only misplaced once, but the original ID was retrieved by Arch. Chad, you were watching the Manning cast last night. I was. Uh, and looking at what Colin sent, the latest TV ratings, ABC's broadcast of the Cowboys' NFC wildcard playoff win against the Bucks. So this is just ABC, not ESPN? Okay. 15 million is what they averaged on ABC and a 3.2 rating. So once we get the combination, it'll, it'll reach, That is right? nowhere near what the Bills did, which surprises me a bit. Monday night, though, has been more difficult from a rating standpoint. And I guess mm. even in the playoffs of that game. No, but it's Dallas, though. That's Well, that's what surprises me. But that's way, that's a half the audience of the 30 million I saw that were watching uh, at, at the peak and throughout much of the game. is 20 to 30 million people watching Buffalo well, and Miami. Maybe the other half is watching Dion. So Dion was on the Manning cast last night as their guest. He stayed pretty much the entire first half. He was on much of the first quarter, all the second quarter. They had no second quarter guest. And uh, I I have to say, he was terrific. I was blown away with I, his football insight, with his rapport with the Mannings. I was half expecting what you would expect from someone who calls themselves Coach Prime. A little bit of an over-the-top performance. A look-at-me type performance. He was great. He fit right in. He joked with the Mannings. He told great stories. They would ask, the passer stuff. what are you doing right here on this play Tom Brady likes the, the back shoulder fade down around the goal line. And Dion says, I mean, throughout my career, and I'll tell my guys, take, make them throw it inside. Take away the back shoulder when you know someone likes to throw that pass. And how about the, the, the recall? He was really good. Being able to pull the play from Indy where Peyton burned him on that yes. looking one way and then had the wide open. Was it Harrison that he hit wide open or Reggie Wayne? I can't remember which on the highlight reel now. I guess it would have been Harrison that he hit the wide-open touchdown. And Dion's reaction to that was really good, too. Dion also told a story about um, Peyton was asking about him on offense and how many routes did he know you know, when he would play with the, with the Cowboys yeah. sometimes on offense. And he said, I think I, think I knew two routes. Like it was a go route, and there was a screen pass for me, and maybe there was one other thing. But he did say there was a package, and he said, in fact, it was for a game against the New York Giants where I was the quarterback. And he said this was before Wildcat quarterbacks, and I was going to take a snap under center and run the traditional option. He said, "Me, Emmett in the backfield they with me. They had practiced this. Yes, they had practiced it. It was in a game plan. And he said he was riding the coach the whole time, wanting to get in to run this play, where Deion Sanders is going to take a snap from center and run the option with Emmett Smith in the backfield, which really interests me. How did they not run that? They would do everything else. And he remembered, he said it was a game against the New York Giants that that happened. So it didn't Come, happen, I should say. They planned for it, though. Coming up, we've got the uh, latest injury reports as teams are beginning to prepare for Saturday's games today for the NFC and AFC divisional rounds. Uh, the latest on Jalen Hurts. We'll also tell you what Todd Bowles had to say about the offense in Tampa Bay. That's next to Now Kick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'll kick 360. You can follow us on social just by searching us out. We hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Streaming live at OutKick.com. Jalen Hurts officially off the injury report for the Philadelphia Eagles today. It's cleared. Shoulder. No more. Shoulder injury. No more. Been a lot of pain two weeks ago, last week. We had, what, 10 days ago now? And now he's not on the injury report. That's great news for, for the Eagles, and they're back to being healthy version of their offense. Minshew Mania can settle down, at least for a play. Minshew Mania can go back to being the hype man on the sideline. Chiefs are designating Clyde Edwards-Alaire to return from injured reserve, which means he's practicing today in Kansas City. Doesn't mean he necessarily will play. He's got some time to do that. But um, for a, a back that they have not received much, if at any really legitimate production, He's coming back at least the right time for a team that at some point is going to need to run the football. I realize that their short passing game and Mahomes allows them to have an extension of their run game in that area, but they get away with not being able to run it much easier than, say, Tampa that we saw last night who is desperate for a run game. Nonetheless, Clyde Edwards will lay back. And Todd Bowles says the team has not made any decision on offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich's future. There was a report this morning that he was out. The translation is, hey, Tom, do you want to come back? What and do if you, you do, do you want Byron Leftwich here? Uh, I guess I'm also to take this as Todd Bowles is completely safe. That's and no longer in danger. Indication. If he's answering questions about Byron Leftwich's future, he is definitely not a one-and-done coach, which some speculated. So DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona has a no-trade clause as part of his extension with Arizona. But, you know, the reports are they're going to part ways with him through, you know, Bidwell. Bidwell's going to bid him adieu. Um, to trade him. To trade him. And he's got quite a bit. I, it's, it's an affordable contract on the back end. But this is something that Monty Austinfort, as the new general manager, inherits. He inherits one of the first things he's going to be doing is trading DeAndre Hopkins. That's, I mean, of the things that you don't want to have to do, my guess is trading one of the NFL's best it's not, wide receivers. And it's he's not, going to be a part of the staff that's done that twice in a row. It's not just trading him. It's knowing you're trading a guy with a no-trade clause that's going to determine where he goes. Well, in many ways, that's what AJ did. He's going to help determine. He's going to have to approve the team. So if you're Monty Austin for it, you're, you're starting the job working left-handed a little bit with your right hand tied behind your back. Because it's not just taking the best offer, it's yep. taking the best offer that DeAndre Hopkins approves with the team that he's going to be dealt to. So that's not an easy spot. And Chad, according to Tom Curran, a great reporter in the Boston area, he says that the primary target for offensive coordinator is Bill O'Brien in New England. That makes, I mean, that, that was so easy to link up. And this is great news for Alabama. Both Alabama fans who want a new play caller in in control of the 
Crimson Tide offense, and for Alabama fans that want Mac Jones to have success. He's actually going to have an offensive-minded coach coaching him in 2023. I mean, is Bill O'Brien recruiting? Is he working for Alabama? Or is he just sitting out and waiting on his next gig? It's, it's just an awkward arrangement because he is still the offensive coordinator at Alabama, but this was supposed to be a two-year service, <laughs> for lack of a better word, for yeah. Bill O'Brien towards, towards uh, Nick Saban. Two-year commitment, and then he was going to go do something else. Two years is up, and he's in this weird in-between area of does he have a job with Alabama moving forward, or is everyone just waiting on him to take the next gig? Which I think that's what everyone's doing. Well, so for a coach in Belichick that just refused to name an offensive coordinator by title, even when he it was known who was calling plays, and it still didn't make sense, uh, with Matt Patricia, um, to turn back and go to Bill O'Brien, that is a Robert Kraft call. And we know that the two met right after the end of the regular season. And Belichick said, yeah, he told reporters in the final press, he's like, yeah, I'm coming back for a 23rd season or whatever for as head coach. But as part of that, he had his owner tell him, hey, like, let's get the offense right. It's a lot of confusion. And for the results, when they don't match up whatever you were trying to do, I still don't figure out, I still can't figure out and wrap my head around why they did what they did. Even if, even if you're going that way, why play this game of cat and mouse with the media where you're not going to tell them who's calling plays if it's going to fail that miserably? Especially for a second-year quarterback that you've invested in with the 15th overall pick. This is good on all accounts and in every facet of the organization if they can land O'Brien. Yeah, because this is odd to say about the New England Patriots. I don't know what they are right now. I have a hard time saying this is where they are. They're a Super Bowl contender or they're a team that can compete within their division or they're a bad team that's rebuilt. I don't know. It's hard to know where they are as a franchise at this point. It's difficult for me to trust Mac Jones and know what he is as a quarterback in the NFL. So this will help give us, if this happens, more clarity on where they are as a team. Well, and they're keeping Gerard Mayo around. That's the other key factor in all of this. Gerard Mayo, who was a hot candidate for defensive coordinator positions, um, and he's in some cases he was listed in head coaching opportunities as potentially an interview. He's going to stay on as their assistant coach as well. Chad, what's on tap tonight for SEC hoops? Um, some good games. Uh, Vanderbilt is hosting Alabama. So after all the craziness around Alabama's program this week, they're in Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. You've got uh, Tennessee on the road to take on Mississippi State. There's another big game that I'm – oh, um, Kentucky hosts Georgia tonight also. This is another big SEC game. Biggest college basketball game of the night, though. The uh, Battle of the Sunflower State. Kansas State, Kansas. Kansas uh, fourth in the country, and fourth or second maybe, fourth. And then Kansas State's 13th, playing in the Big 12. Is that like an 8 p.m. tip? Or is that the early tip? Surely that's later. I'm not sure. I just get home and watch all of it. I just flip around I need and find out what's going on. I need it on late. Yeah, HUD needs that 10 p.m. Pac-12 network start. <laughs> Any game that Bill Walton's on the call for, that's the one HUD wants. It's usually around 10 o'clock on Central Time. I can't, man. I, I used to be a fan of Bill Walton. I can't listen to him now. Yeah, he's a little over the top for me too. 
Well, it's just never. I'll it's always what, about him, you know. Yeah, he, the broadcast is about Bill Walton, not the game. And I just, I realize there's several broadcasters <laughs> well, like you don't that. know what issue that I mean, he's. He could, he's on the opposite end of it. He could get into the like the rain in Southern California and spend five minutes of a game talking about the flooding in Southern California. <laughs> you never, you never know what you're going to get from uh, Bill Walton. I will give you uh, a recommendation that this is not something that's just out of the blue. That's you know no one knows about. But Last of Us on HBO that mm-hmm. debuted Sunday night. Yes. I am not one for zombie apocalypse stuff. Never watched an episode of The Walking okay. Dead. Never saw World War Z with Brad Pitt. I think the one zombie thing I saw, I Am Legend with Will Smith, I think had zombies in it. Or some form of zombie, maybe. And an awesome dog. That's about it. This is a show based on a video game from 2003. And the first episode is very well done. Craig Mazin writes, directs, show runs. He is the brain behind Chernobyl, which was on HBO, which was really good. So it's terrific. Give it a shot. Six p.m. Episode one is is promising. Six p.m. tip for Kansas, Kansas State, which means Chad, let me know how that game is, please. I will. The Battle of the Sunflower State. I'll be checking in on the SEC matchups, though. I'm eager to see how Alabama comes out and plays. Yeah. After the the well, Tennessee bouncing back after a disappointing home loss to Kentucky. Also, yeah, that's going to be a big one on the road against Mississippi State. We'll recap that. We'll look ahead to the NFL weekend as well tomorrow for Outkick 360. We start at 3 o'clock Eastern right here across the Outkick Network.